But I will say the biggest thing that really stopped us from like doing it in Jersey was just like the sheer fear. Like we didn't like we, we were just like afraid, you know, like young guys. We were afraid of being judged because of our skin color, because of like our education. Oh, like you guys think like you can come in here and just like arbitrage or whatever. Like it, it, it honestly it was just fear. Because if I go back right now, I get an arbitrage in a week. I promise you. Welcome to Live, Let, Thrive, a podcast about the Airbnb life, the share economy, and everything in between. Here are your hosts, Micah and Steve. Hello, hello, hello. And welcome back to another exciting episode of Of Live, Let, Thrive. (laughs) Micah's back. What's up, Micah? Yeah. What's up, man? It's been a while since we recorded. Been what a couple weeks since we all got on. It's been a little bit, a little bit. How you been? Yeah, man, I've been good. Been busy, but I've been good. Um, working on arbitrages, turning regular long-term rentals into Airbnbs. So I've been good. But uh, we got a special guest coming today. What episode are we on, Steve? Sixty-three. Sixty-three. 63, and our guest is Norman Hamilton. You may know that we interviewed his partner, Josh. He is the other half of Comfy Living LLC, uh, a Airbnb business that runs out of Dallas and Houston. Uh, welcome, Norman, onto the show, man. Yeah. Hey, guys. <laughs> What's up, hey, man? Guys, How you doing? Doing good, man. Um, like I said, man, thanks for the invitation. I'm just happy to be here, happy to share like my thoughts on everything ready to get the business heck yeah so um one thing we do know about about you norman because I, I i reckon you're a fan of the show and yeah. um cool cool we appreciate that and um and we and i i see you <laughs> i see you posting a lot of stuff on facebook kind of uh, kind of ch- challenging people to talk smack about um about cryptocurrencies all right. <laughs> so you're big into, into it. you're big into the crypto game, huh? Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty I'm pretty deep into cryptocurrency. Definitely, like just um, like Bitcoin in general, cryptocurrencies, crypto assets, whatever you want to call it. It's probably changed my life for the better. It's encouraged me to like be harder, to work harder. Uh, like it's encouraged me to like never stop learning, figuring out what's going on, and just like take everything more seriously than I used to. Nice, nice. So how did you get into crypto? I got into crypto in around like uh, 2016 when I used to work, uh, when I was interning at an investment bank. I was interning at Goldman Sachs around the time. And um, I had heard about it in 2012, but I dismissed it because I was in high school and I saw an article or I saw like a video on CNN. And they were essentially just talking about like, yeah, Bitcoin, drugs, Silk Road. And I was like, yeah, I'm not trying to go to jail. (laughs) Um, So I kind of just like dismissed it in 2012 and in 2016. Cause I used to run track. I used to uh, run track with a friend. My friend was on like one of our like rival high schools. Um, he had actually like reintroduced me to it because um, like he found out I was going to New York and he lived in New York and he was basically like, yeah, we should link up. So we uh, like we long story short, we exchanged messages. Um, he told me he was in a Bitcoin. He put me on essentially to like different websites or articles I can read to kind of like explain things to me. And I kind of understood it right off the top because I have a background in computer science. So I was a tech guy. So, like, I, you know, I understood, like, the technical implications of Bitcoin, how it worked. Like, I understood it quickly. And because, like, I was a millennial, I kind of grew up in that, like, digital realm where it's, like, I understand that, like, things that aren't physical can have value, can accrue value. Like, you know, you play MMO games and stuff. Like, like you know that, like, items in the game are rarer than other items for a reason and stuff like that. So, like, for me, it, it, it was kind of like a no-brainer, the potential of uh, just Bitcoin because, or just, like, crypto assets. Just because, like, I had, you know, I grew up, I grew up in, um, like, like I said, I grew up playing games and stuff, so I understood digital things have value. I had a tech background, and then also, like, I was in finance at the time. So, like, I had, I kind of had, like, a financial background, too. And then, like, on top of that, like, I was, I also got heavy into economics as well. So I started reading about Austrian economics I just spent like months, months on end, just studying economics, studying finance. And I wasn't even like a finance major. I had a minor, but like it wasn't even my thing. But that that's basically essentially what got me into it. And so 2016, I invested in Ethereum and uh, I don't want to disclose how much how much money I made from that. But I made I made a good sum of money in Ethereum in uh, 2016. It was like ten dollars, I think. Um, So 
had I sold at the peak, I would have made a good fortune of money, but I ended up selling before the peak because I had to uh, pay for school. And uh, some people call it a dumb investment. Um, some people would, um, well, like selling it to pay for school, I'm saying. But um, I was trying to finish my education, and y'all know I'm African, so my parents weren't having that whole, like, I'm dropping out to do whatever. <laughs> so, like, that's that, that's kind of my story. But um, to, to, to speak about my friend a little bit more, um, he got in in, I think, like, 2011, and he started uh, one of, like, the first, like, mining operations in uh, Jersey, in uh, central Jersey. So, uh, essentially, him and his partner made uh, a large sum of money from... Um, from just mining cryptocurrencies. And so when he put me on, he was already, he made enough money to the point where he had his own startup going. So um, I actually met him like, I actually met him when like, he basically he was like in the beginning stages of his startup. And I think uh, this year they actually raised around like $1.5 million and are still raising. So like there, there, there's potential in this market. Wow. That's amazing, man. Wow. Yeah. Um, wow. So why did you choose Ethereum over uh, Bitcoin back then? I, I didn't I didn't choose Ethereum over I didn't necessarily choose Ethereum over Bitcoin, but like I I believe in like placing I believe I don't want to say placing bets, but essentially what I what I basically was doing was I wasn't just going all in the one thing at the time. I was just placing bets, seeing what was happening because I was young and I was trying to get a grasp of what was happening in the market before like I just come up with some kind of like crazy investment thesis i was kind of just playing in the markets at the time figuring out what was going on understanding how things work understanding how charts worked understanding how like just like the crypto asset markets works like what affects the market what what doesn't affect the market kind of thing so at the time i was put i put my money in those two because they at, at the time they were the biggest two and like i knew that bitcoin had been around for some time but like ethereum had um came out and if it could mimic bitcoin in terms of like the upside in terms of the growth i would make a lot of money cool cool real quick um for our fans out there now this, we're gonna get into we're gonna get into um, crypto and bitcoin quite a bit and um norman also does some airbnb and so hold hold steady hold tight um uh, one quick thing real quickly i don't i know it's not simple to explain it but like in the in the most layman's terms you can do in the in the shortest <laughs> a possible amount of time you could do could you explain what the hell is crypto and blockchain and 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 all that and how is it how is it going to change the future maybe so all right in one word a blockchain is a database in in one word a, a crypto like currency or whatever is just some like means of value well that's not one word but in one sentence a cryptocurrency is just a means of value exchange that's just built on top of a blockchain which i told you i was a database so like like in a database what do we do we um like we make entries in a database right like we make transactions in the database um and so essentially like the transactions that are recorded in this blockchain aka database are like buys or not 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 necessarily buys and sells but like just like the value transfer like i give you like one bitcoin that's recorded that transaction me sending steve one bitcoin is recorded on bitcoin blockchain steve sending micah that one Bitcoin is recorded on Bitcoin's blockchain. So that, that that's kind of what it is, like cash, a way to like record that value transfer. And then like the asset that lives in that blockchain is like, for example, like Bitcoin. So so if, if I could try, because I've, I've heard it explained a few times, and if I could try to break it down with like, with not even computers involved and go back to like um, the blockchain kind of represents, let's say it's uh, some caveman, right? Back in the, right. <laughs> in the caveman days, you know? And one caveman says, all right, man, um, I'm going to give you my, my club to go borrow, you know, for, for a week to go hunting and stuff. Right. And then he tells, he goes, everybody in the tribe, you see that I'm giving him this to borrow, right? It's going to give right. it back to me. And everybody okay. sees it. I guess they record it in their mind. And he borrows it for a week, and he comes back. He has to give it back. Everybody knows that he borrowed it from right. that guy, right? And so right. is that kind of? I know it's I'm, it's a weird way to no, explain no, 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 it. No, 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 no. That's that's actually a perfect analogy because when you study the history of money, um, like things like that actually happen. So if you read about the um the island called Yap, there are these things called rye stones, and essentially what you just described is what people did with the rye stones. The villagers would get together, and basically the rye stones were essentially these like two-ton stones that were very difficult for people to, like, it was very difficult to acquire. It was very difficult to, like, replicate these things. 
So people used it as a form of money. And so essentially what happens what happened was what you just described. The villagers would get together and when somebody was giving ownership of a rye stone to somebody else, they would announce it to everybody in the village so everybody knew. So that's how people would keep records back then. Ah, interesting, interesting. So what you just described is a perfect analogy. Cool, cool. And so if you don't give it back, everybody knows he stole it from that dude. Right. So that's, um, and the blockchain is pretty much uh, a computer way of telling the whole internet, hey, you know, this guy gave me a Bitcoin and, um, you know, I owe him something for it. And then the, the whole internet knows that that transaction took place. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't say internet, I would say network, but more or less. Okay, cool. You understand it now, Micah? <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm listening over here. So you said you said not internet, but you said network, meaning like yeah. So so an, an internet an internet is a network of networks, but mm-hmm. like each each blockchain is essentially like each blockchain is essentially its own network. Uh, like you know, big like Bitcoin's blockchain is, is is its own network. You know, just like you got your you have your computer network in your house, right? Like if if you if you were not connected through like some like Comcast or Xfinity or whatever to the internet, you would still have that intranet inside your house. Like you would still have that network. So like like in the case of blockchain, in the case of Bitcoin, like blockchains themselves are like individual networks like Bitcoin. Bitcoin is a network like it's a network of different computers that are connected to the Bitcoin network. Like Ethereum is a network. It's a network of different computers, a.k.a. nodes that are connected to like the Ethereum blockchain one way or another. So, so there's like thousands of coins in existence. Is that a good estimate? Thousands? I don't know. I was I would say I would say over two thousand, but like we I'll tell you how I feel about that too. Okay. Well real quick real, real quick question. What makes one coin more valuable than another coin? Uh so like to to dive into the to dive into the theory behind it, the things that basically that um like monetary uh economists and people like are trying to argue is that the things that actually make these um things valuable than other things or actually, let me let me show you guys right now because I was actually I was actually going over it too. But uh, things such as like security, uh, transaction speed, uh, got it right here. So security, aka like the cost of the attack, security in the form of like the quality of the code, the quality of the team, how decentralized is it, how resistant to censorship is it, like is it immutable, what's the monetary policy behind it, is it like inflationary or is it disinflationary, fixed supply. Um, how credible is it? What does the distribution look like in terms of like how decentralized is actual ownership or actual custody? Does one person own 80% of the supply or do 7 billion people own 80% of the supply? How scalable is it? What is the throughput? Like what is the governance behind that thing look like? How easy is it for people to use? Um, like what is the extent of the pro- pro- programmability? Like what can we build on top of it? Um, like what is the extent of that? Um, like, what does the infrastructure look like? What is the develop? What is it? What does it look like on the development side? Um, like, what does the community look like? What's the ecosystem look like? What is the financial sustainability of development? And also, like, what is the depth of like financialization? Oh wow, that's pretty um, simple explanation. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. So, uh, you know, I'm 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 trying to understand it all. So, uh, in other words, everybody's got a smartphone, right? Right. So I guess uh, why does an iPhone cost a thousand when a Nokia costs a couple a hundred bucks? You know what I'm saying? Is that is that's kind because of, that, the technology's yeah, better, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty, pretty like ba- basically, but like there, there's like there's there's so much economics behind it besides like technology. Technology is just like one aspect behind it. Like like I just like we were talking about technology, but at the same time we spoke about monetary policy. So that there's 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 more to it than like just than just the technology. Wow, this is this is this is awesome. This is interesting, man. You got any questions, Micah? So I, yeah, I have a question because I'm actually while you're talking, I'm actually sitting here on crypto BNB. I was wh- when do you think crypto is going to be used for like certified transactions? Like when do, when could you see that happening? So define certified transaction. Like a personal, like a crypto BNB, right? Like you want to scan somebody's crib, you just pay them in cryptocurrency because I, I noticed they stopped they stopped it. Uh, okay. the crypto, the crypto DNA people, they stopped it. When do you think that'll be like, like in full blown effect? So I think services like services like that will like start taking effect when like 
I'm, I'm going to speak specifically about Bitcoin because that's that's what I know. But services like that will take effect when when Bitcoin like becomes like I, I want to say like becomes a medium of it becomes like a, a stable medium of exchange. And like I, and like if I were to give you a, like a personal timeline, I would say I, I would say within 20 years, 25 years. But I can't I can't be like, OK, it's going to happen in 25 years. But personally, I, I could see it happening within 25 years just just because of like the progress that's been made just because of like the recent developments that we're seeing. But like, if I could give you, if I could give you like a number, I, I would say maybe like, I, I speak with my friends about this all the time. And like, we're thinking maybe 10 trillion, like at a 10 trillion market cap specifically for Bitcoin. I'm not talking about crypto in general, but we think at 10 trillion, like that's when we might start. That's when we think like the volatility will be so low that like we'll be able to start using it as a medium of exchange to conduct those kind of transactions that you spoke about. And another thing too is like once it becomes that stable, those things just naturally happen because now it's like so many people have it that like people naturally will just want to exchange it for other things. You know what I mean? It, it has value at that point. And it has barter bartering value, I should say. Is yeah, that what you're yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like like in in terms of money, like Long story short, money money is essentially like, uh, like store a store of value, a medium of exchange, and a unit of account. And like mm-hmm. like um the mental model behind that is kind of kind of like picture a pyramid, where the bottom pyramid is a store of value, the medium like the middle of the pyramid is that medium of exchange, and then the top of the pyramid like the pinnacle is like the unit of account. And then kind of picture like like a pool of money just populating each layer. And like it, it's not as fluid as I'm describing it, but ba- essentially like in order for something to become a unit of account, it need that layer that's a medium of exchange needs to be saturated with a certain amount of like liquidity, a certain amount of money. And then like even before that, like a store of value layer has to be saturated. And it and it kind of makes sense when you think about it when you kind of look at like the history behind gold. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. Exactly. I mean definitely. what gives gold its value? But are you are you are you asking me? Well, so, it's kind of a rhetorical question because I mean, uh, okay. it's a, I mean, someone's starving. Hey, I got a brick of gold. A brick of gold right. ain't gonna feed my family. You know what I'm saying? I yeah, mean, if, right. if, if if there's no more um, system set up to to accept it, right. stuff like that. It's all like an agreed upon thing. Everybody in the world agrees. Hey, gold's worth something, so it's worth something, right? Right. Exactly. And so, um, if everybody agrees, Bitcoin's worth something, then it's gonna be worth something. It is worth mm-hmm. something, right. apparently, right now. Right. Um, but like. Sorry, sorry. I just I just want to interject really quick. But in the case of like two thousand like different cryptocurrencies, the the fact of the matter is, um, like factors include factors including but not limited to like just sheer competition will result in most most of these coins dying. Like, um, essentially like there there are gonna be there are gonna be a couple good ones that like you know have niche use cases, but most of these projects are gonna die, and most of them like were just raised by people who took advantage of other people, to be completely honest. But like projects like Bitcoin that are aiming to be, that I personally believe that are aiming to be like sound money, like uh, like I said, store of value, medium of exchange, unit of account. Like I, I think those those projects will like um, be fine. And also, we also have to factor in that like it might, like the bloodbath might be worse than like even like currency now because currencies now are enforced by state, by the state. So like, for example, like you're required by the law to like accept like U.S. dollars in the United States. If you go to Mexico, you need to take pesos. If I go, if I go to like Brazil, I need to take real. But like essentially in the digital realm, those forms of money, like there, there is no like law saying that like, you know, I I need to take Bitcoin or whatever. So essentially, what we're gonna see is like hyper competition, which kills a whole bunch of these currencies because people only want to use the best currency. And like in the real world, this is supported by the fact. That like when you look at Zimbabwe, when their economy collapsed because of like hyperinflation, the next thing they went to was the U.S. dollar. Like they're using U.S. dollars in Zimbabwe and not their own currency. You go to Venezuela, people are buying U.S. dollars on the black market. You go to Argentina, people are buying U.S. dollars on the black market and are also buying Bitcoin. Now, is it true that there's a finite number of actual Bitcoins out there? Yeah, yeah. So there's it's programmed. It's like basically programmed into like Bitcoin that like the the max that there of that that there will ever that there will ever be is like twenty one million ever. And and no one can ever change that in the future. It, 
Yeah, babe, nobody, nobody, nobody can change it. Like to to make things simple, pretty much, pretty much nobody can change it. But I mean, you'd have to. I mean, for everybody in the world to use a bit, you know, Bitcoin, they'd have to break it off to like Brit, uh, uh, bit pennies and bit nickels and bit dot. So, right. To... So it's divisible up to like each Bitcoin can be divided a hundred million times. Oh, okay, that makes so sense. So while there's twenty, right. there's twenty one, there's twenty one um million. Multiply that by a hundred million, and like we're talking like like four quadrillion like Bitcoin, something some something dumb high, something crazy high. Oh, okay, okay, I get it. And now. and in terms of like in in terms of like how do you like what is the unit of account? Like if we were to just not use like one Bitcoin for things, because it's you know that like a lot of people like to compare it to like the price in terms of USD. Like we have something called the metric system, where like you know I I'm not calling something. I'm not calling something like 10 million. Like, I mean, I'm not. I don't have to call something like a thousand meters. We we call it a kilometer. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not gonna call it like what like 0. 0.100, 0. like 001 meters. I'll call it a centimeter. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I see what you're saying. And real quickly, explain to us what I, I saw. You mentioned it on Facebook. What's a what is a shit coin? <laughs> I see. Like. So if I were if I were to if I were to describe a shit coin, if I were to tell you what a shit coin is, like projects that virtually have like I'm not gonna say zero, but I'll say a very low, like non zero chance of succeeding, like scams, like I'm sure you heard of like BitConnect, like like proof of weekends, just just like not utter utter nonsense that people have created to like take money from other people. Yeah, I have some friends that got mixed up in some of those. Right. And they pretty so, much set up like Ponzi schemes. Yeah. Ba- ba- basically, basically. So, like, if if you were to talk to me, I'd say most projects are shit coins, but they're also they're also very very good projects run by like honest people. Cool, cool. All right, let's let's wow. jump into uh, if you don't mind, Micah, you want to jump into a little bit of some Airbnb talk for the for the fans out there. So you do Airbnb also, eh? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Okay, how'd you, how'd you start Airbnb, and what exactly what exactly do you do in Airbnb? Uh, so we started. We officially got started in like 2017, but I I want to say like the idea and like like just like us trying was that happened in like 2016 when uh Josh Josh and I my co the co-founder we're both co-founders technically um when we were in college um and so. We we basically started like comfy living while we were in college with the purpose of like trying to like Airbnb, corporate housing, do all that jazz while we were in uh, New Jersey, and so like um, what, what was the question? So I know I'm on track. Like you know how did you? I was asking how you started and what exactly do you do in the Airbnb world? Okay 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 okay. So so yeah so we got started in 2016 for like the purpose of just like Airbnb so we could just have money on the side and stuff. Um, the inspiration came from one of our one of our friends named uh, I'll shout him out Kwame. Uh, Kwame Bowler was kind of was doing it while he was in Seattle, um, and he kind of like introduced me to like the whole entrepreneurship kind of deal. I always knew I wanted to do something, but I kind of didn't know what I wanted to do. And when I saw what he was doing, I really was like inspired to kind of do my own thing because I liked it, and it seemed like he was very independent and like out there just doing his thing and killing it. So when we came, when I came back to uh, Jersey, I wanted to do it, and then uh, Josh lived in Seattle too, and Kwame and Josh connected. And so Josh came back with, like, the idea of, like, yo, let's, like, partner up and let's really do this thing. So in 2016, while I was working at Goldman in, um, in New York City, that's kind of when, like, that idea got birthed. Ironically, it was around the same time I got into crypto as well. But um, so that, that, there's the inspiration behind it. Fast forward to, like, uh, 2017 uh, when I moved out to uh, Houston and Josh moved to Dallas. Um, I, I, I want to say that there are tons of factors which prevented us from actually getting our first arbitrage, including but not limited, limited to education. But I will say the biggest thing that really stopped us from like doing it in Jersey was just like the sheer fear. Like we didn't like we, we were just like afraid, you know, like young guys. We were afraid of being judged because of our skin color, because of like our education. Oh, like you guys think like you can come in here and just like arbitrage or whatever. Like it, it, it honestly it was just fear because if I go back right now, I get an arbitrage in a week. I promise you. But um. <laughs> But um, like yeah, fast forward to like 2017, uh, like we were basically going through like Craigslist, Facebook Marketplace, just like you know networking, putting our names out there online to try to figure out like how we could get an arbitrage. And uh, Josh struck gold in uh, Dallas with uh, our fr- our very first client. And so 
Um, like the, the, the communication and the work between that has been like, we'll plan everything out on a calendar. Um, I'll make that drive up to Dallas and we'll, um, you know, we'll, we'll get everything and we'll set up the unit. So we, we set up that first unit, I want to say in like November of um, 2017. And uh, we, we've been operating out of that. Basically, our business model is like, cor- like corporate housing. So we're trying to get people in here, like traveling nurses, um, just like corporate clients, whoever wants to get in for like a month plus and we'll run like background checks and on and then we also do like traditional like airbnb on the side but like we're very strict with who we let in because we're trying to minimize like the damage that's done to our units because at the end of the day we're a business and like we have we have like we potentially have investors and we also have like our clients that we're working with they they you know there's an expectation that we're keeping their units like like um as good as good as possible and then also we we just we were partnered with somebody in Houston with one of his with one of his units as well and then we have another arbitrage in Houston as well so so y'all primarily do arbitrages then yeah our arbitrage but like we we have a preference toward corporate housing like if if I had a choice between arbitrage and corporate housing I would most likely do corporate housing but if we can't get corporate housing we'll most likely do arbitrage traditional nice, nice. now how, how many uh how, how many units do you guys have uh, three. One of them is a partnership. Two of them is ours. Are ours. So, so okay, two, three total. That's good, yes, man. that's good. You guys are growing quick, man. You guys yeah. got that hustle going, and the Bitcoin hustle can't be stopped. So exactly. Since, so, what? How is the? How is the corporate? Because you, you obviously you have a unit in Dallas and you have a unit in Houston. Which which one do you see the more? more corporate travelers coming into is it Houston or Dallas? Um, that's something at, I've always been interested in. As a, as a now, um, and it, off the, off top, I would, I would probably say, I would probably say Houston, Houston because the amount of time that it took for us to get a corporate person inside of Houston was less than Dallas. But I will say that over time, like I'll have an accurate measurement of that. But as of now, like if I were to just say off top in terms of effort, definitely it seemed easier in Houston. But like people, people are people are like I'm pretty sure you saw that Facebook post. Oh, people, people are not so nice about like pricing and stuff. But like, hey man, it's it's a, it's a business. Yeah, those old school uh, old school people. Yeah, they're they're kind of the, the corporate housing model is a bit it's a bit new. But people see the pricing on it, like I, when I, I used to tell people, like when I told people how I price my units, they're like, "You're crazy, no one will rent that." And it's crazy, like every time somebody tells me no, someone won't rent it, I usually get a someone book in the unit the next day or so. I'm like, right, people so, will pay, you know? Right, exactly. So I'm thinking I should start those arguments on purpose because, like, when that argument happened, like I got a late, I got somebody the next day, so I might make it my business to just to like get people pissed off at me. I don't know. <laughs> the, tro- the trolling game. Mike, Mike is good I, I, at that. I'm very, I'm very good at that internet trolling thing. I don't do that whole <laughs> passive aggressive thing. If I see you coming crazy, I will check it. <laughs> oh snap! I love it. I love it. Hey, um, real quick, for for listeners that don't exactly know what an arbitrage is, could you tell them? Could you tell them what it is? What it means to you? And how do you? And and the number one question they ask after Micah tries to explain it to people is, how do you get people to agree? to an arbitrage how do you how do you approach them show me like like a scenario uh so i mean i mean a typical scenario for us is like we'll go i'll go on craigslist and i'll just craigslist facebook or like i'll set up just like a whole bunch of tours or like i'll go on zillow and like we'll just literally like literally like i'll just have an excel sheet just full of like places i'm interested in and i'll just like call the owners i'll ask them out for like lunch or i'll be like hey like you know can we schedule some time to like discuss this I'll basically just introduce myself and like what we're essentially what we're, you know, what our company does, what we're doing. Um, like, you know, I'll show them our social media, like Micah really helped us out. Like we have a packet now of like what we do. Like we have literally business documents that tell people what we do. We operate under an LLC. So essentially what I'm doing to essentially what I'm trying to pitch to these guys is going with us is better than going with a traditional um, traditional rental for reason X, Y and Z. Like traditional people may not take care of your place as good as we're going to take care of it because we have a financial obligation to make sure that everything inside of your place is like in tip top shape. 
Like, you know, if you have someone in there for like a year, if something breaks, they may not tell you about it until like they move out. And then like now you have to spend money to get that fixed. But with us, like we we are making sure that like everything in there is good. Like like in some cases, like we'll get in, we'll get travel insurance, like for a guy in Dallas, like we have travel insurance for all the people that come in there, like our corporate travelers. Um, and like we even take security like to the next level, like 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 we even have our own security, like cameras, like we have smart locks. So like we're keeping track of everything. Like I said, like I'm a tech guy, like I love making decisions based off of data. And like I just love throwing like accurate not to like, you know, like gloat or anything, but I love like throwing like just like data in people's faces because like, you know, it's one thing if I'm telling you it, but it's one it's another thing if the numbers are telling you it because numbers don't lie. Nice. You sound point. like a LeBron James fan. <laughs> uh, I am a LeBron fan. I know I can tell because you're a numbers guy. Uh, yeah. How does so? You said you do uh, insurance, tra- travel insurance. How, how does that work for your corporate clients? Uh, so I mean, like, like, like with the background checks and travel insurance, like we use software called Cozy for like the background checks. Um, for for travel insurance, um, there's actually like a website that we have. I don't remember it off the top of my head, but essentially, like, we just we literally have a policy for like short term, and like. Like it, like it's it's essentially arbitrage to the person who's coming in. Nice, <laughs> nice. So like so from like like business wise, like we try to like arbitrage those extra expenses onto like it sounds kind of messed up, but like it's you know it's business. We arbitrage it like to the person to the person staying, or like we'll structure the price. We'll like do our like price strategy in a way that it doesn't really like affect us like that much. Kind of like with the whole like um, like timeshares thing as well. Mm-hmm. Also, so since you guys are arbitraging, do you guys do plan on hopping into the real estate game and actually buying property in the future? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So me, me and Josh actually talked about that, and like the, we think we think the next level is like we want to we want to scale to like twenty units. Like we have milestones set like 10, 15, 20, and we kind of want to like evaluate what's going on with us from a personal standpoint. But like it is, we are one hundred percent gonna get like personal like units, or like even not personal units, but we might just like say like, yo, like now let's let's diversify what we're doing because like the first step is a business, or we think our first step is kind of like just going all in and like establishing like that main revenue. Then it's like okay, now once you have that main revenue established, the next thing you need to do is diversify into different things so that you are basically set as a business so that so that like okay if one portion of your business fails you have like three other pillars still holding your business up so we are 100 percent going to go into like getting units next because like we have to diversify eventually to make sure that like we we like we have a solid foundation as business assets gotcha yeah so i mean i could talk about that too if you want me to yeah yeah go on i mean i mean like a couple couple things like we want to diversify into like in terms of real estate is like okay one like education mentoring um like obviously we're doing like the arbitrage and corporate housing uh the fourth the fourth thing is um the fourth thing could be timeshares the fifth thing is now like actual like real estate units so now we have like five different i guess that's five different streams of income in one business so if one thing is bad we got four other things holding us up mm-hmm. that's smart Definitely. that's real yeah. smart yeah don't put all everything your eggs in one you... basket right yeah yeah every every Everything you know is an asset. There you go. Sell your intellectual property, man. That's yeah, smart stuff. And oh, and and the sixth thing, the sixth thing I didn't need, which I didn't even say was like I can go deeper. The sixth thing is consulting now. So like you can go once you once you once you once you like for example, you guys have a podcast. The next thing you can do is you can sell your individual time on like I think it's called Clarity.fm, and you mm-hmm. can charge people. You can charge people by the minute. You can either do it as an individual or you can do it as a business. But that's a sixth stream of income for your business. That you can essentially use to like make that you know that foundation more sound, more solid. The seventh thing you can do is you could start your own cleaning company, and you can either arbitrage your cleaners through like turnover B and B, or you can just have like you know you can outsource your cleaners to other Airbnbers or other arbitragers and just charge them a premium off of what you're paying your current um like cleaner. Wow. Very- Go. That's, so as, that's the that's the easiest way to make money. Man. Play the middleman. So as a as a wise man once said, I'm not a businessman. I'm a business man. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, um, okay. So y'all are okay. How old are you guys? First of all, you and Josh. I think I think uh, I'm 24. I just turned 24. Wow. Um, I think I think Josh is 25. 
That's... No, no, Josh. No, 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 Josh. Josh is twenty-four. Also, Josh is twenty-four. Man. Josh turns twenty-five in September. Y'all got it figured out, man. Hey, um, <laughs> real, <laughs> real quick. Okay, okay, that's cool. Y'all, y'all seem like a real, real tight knit. You know, uh, some partners, partners going on here. But one of you lives in Houston. The other one, uh, you live in Houston. Josh lives in Dallas. We know Josh right. real good. How do you keep that partnership together with that distance going on? Well, I'm a workaholic. So, like, for example, like, sometimes you just got to be, like, there's a mutual understanding. Like, sometimes, like, you're just going to have to take the L. Like, for example, one of our cleaners couldn't make it. And, like, I wasn't going to leave my homie out there just stranded cleaning the cleaning it by itself. So I got up at, like, it was, like, 8, like eight or 9 o'clock, um, like, in Houston. Got in my car. Got my stuff together. You know, I packed my bags. Um, I work remote at my job. So, like, I have the luxury of just working anywhere I want in the world. Um, so... I packed my bags. I got in my car at eight o'clock and I drove to Dallas. I got there at midnight um, and we started cleaning from midnight to from midnight to like three or four in the morning. And we just like we had to take the L. So um, Josh, you know, Josh got one hour of sleep or two hours of sleep and he went to work. And like, you know, I fortunately like I work on Pacific time. So I, you know, I'm able to work later in the day than other people. So I got like five hours of sleep. I just got up and I worked. But that week I, I was in Dallas for like three or four days. Um, just like hanging out, you know, making sure things were stabilized, but like, you know, getting work done. I had to sleep on the couch, but you know, it is what it is. You know, we're trying to build the business. So sometimes you just got to take the L. You just got to sacrifice. Damn, that's dedication real right talk, there. Man. <laughs> real talk, man. Real, man. That's real talk. Hopped on a car from yeah, Houston over that here. That's, that's, right. that's sweet. So, and, and like, I'm so, not even so, sorry about that. My, my, my next question is like, okay, so you, you drove up there. So, have you, have you guys put like a system in place where you can have a backup cleaner on turnover B and B? Uh, so, so, so we, so in that particular, so we have, it, it's kind of weird. So in Houston, we have like we have two cleaners in Houston, in Dallas, I don't think that was I don't think that was set up, and that was our mistake, and that's like that's a learning experience for us. So you know, L is a loss, and it's also a learning experience as well. So that that, that was our mistake. I, uh, that was definitely, a, but but I had to go up there. But I had to go up there anyway, though, because because we we upgraded our unit. Like we we installed security cameras, and we also added a, ne- a Nest thermostat. So like that that's something that I had to do as well. And then also like the learning experience behind that is like I'm not. You got to learn how to be a handyman sometimes because you can't afford the handyman. You know what I mean? So, hey, oh, yeah. real talk, yeah. See, it automatically reminded me of uh of that old. Um, I guess it was a joke, right? Because I'm 40, dude. I'm not gonna. I'm, I'm myself. I'm not gonna hop in, in a car and drive all the way from Houston to, yeah. to Dallas. I'm gonna be calling everybody and their uncle. You know, I'll pay 200, 300. I'll tell them to get over there and clean. I'll hook you up. Don't right. worry. And um, but you, yeah, you're young and eager. You're the you're the young bull in that story that I, that, that you've probably heard before. The the young bull. Yeah, he's out there up on the hill and he's talking to his dad. Yeah. Hey, dad, look at all those cows. Let's go down there and um, I'll say make love to one. <laughs> and his dad, and he says, his "Dad says no, son. Let's walk down there and yeah. make love to them all." <laughs> That's a, so. I'm the old bull, anyways. Nah, nah. I know, I I know that saying. I know that saying. So, <laughs> so that reminded me of that I was like, man, back in the day, maybe, but uh, I'm gonna make some phone calls. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna yeah, pay yeah, somebody. Speaking of that, because so speaking of that, man, yeah, always like how you said, Steve, you'd be making phone calls and you hook somebody up. I had a similar situation to that. Like, uh, I'm real big on take care of your employees, man, because, like, my corporate client destroyed one of my units. Not really destroyed it, but just left a bunch of Amazon. He had, like, Amazon boxes stacked all the way to the ceiling. Everything right. was left out. She sent a picture to me. But she, she went and cleaned it, but she, she didn't get done until, like, 1 in the morning. So I, I sent her an extra 50 bucks. Like, I was like, yeah. oh, dang, you know. I sent her an extra 50 bucks. Take care of your employees, right, man. Right, right. That's, that's, that's – that's a really important thing, man. That's a really important thing. Yes, sir. So what, um, real quick, what percentage do you make off of these arbitrages? Uh, like, what's our margin? Yeah. Uh, so I, I want to say, like, I think for the one in Houston, I think Micah dropped off, but um, for, for the one in Houston, uh, he, we're, rent is like 1400 It's actually 1398 but we're charging like 2217 um, for the one in Dallas, I think we were charging twenty two hundred, and rent was I think uh, rent was fourteen hundred. 
Okay, so that's your. Oh, okay, okay, that's what I was saying. Because okay. when I was thinking arbitrage two, uh, I guess I was thinking co-hosting, but that's not. That's I, I don't know why I was thinking that. Like co-host charged what twenty percent, right? So, so yeah, we're we're doing twenty. We're doing twenty twenty percent. So you so you do co-host also. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I, so when I say partnered, I mean like I mean like co-host. So like someone has a unit, they give it to us. We we run it. We do eighty twenty split. Okay, that's pretty standard. And then, and, then, and then we also like the next thing we're moving into is like investor contracts now. Like investors, if investors want to partner with us, we'll. I think. Uh, I think one of the things we're we're looking at is like okay, we'll do. I think seventy seventy thirty for X amount of years, and after X amount of years, it's like eighty us twenty them or something like that. It's like either it, contracts are negotiable, but that's like that's the next step too. For whatever reason, if we would want to like you know take an investor money because sometimes you you don't want to use your own money for various reasons. Oh, okay. So how would that work? So I, I say I want to be an investor, and, and right. how, I, I'll come to you. Hey, hey, man. Um, I just want to be the money man. I just want to. I'll I'll give you the money to do your thing. And how yeah. how much of a return? How much of a return do I get? Uh, so I mean, um, I don't for for the return. Um, I mean, I don't know. Maybe wait, you could so, ballpark so, it. So so I I can't necessarily say return, but what I, what I can basically say is like if if we have a unit right, and I'm charging like hundred dollars like say rent for the unit is like ten dollars and we're charging a hundred dollars uh of the ninety dollars we'll do like okay you get 70 we get 30 and like say you finance that entire 100 100 dollars um like we'll, we'll the contract will be like it, it's a very extensive contract but long story short like the contract the contract could be this like okay you're financing you're giving us this money and for the lifetime of the property so um like if anything happens, like you, you're like you're guaranteed your you're guaranteed your return back, or you're guaranteed minimum you're guaranteed what you put in back. Like we'll have that in a contract, and then like after you get what you put in back, like for X amount of years, this this is gonna be what you're getting. You're gonna get um. You're gonna you're gonna get um, how do I say it uh, like, you're you're gonna you're guaranteed like thirty percent of the monthly profit if there's a monthly profit, but like re- re- return wise maybe. If it like if you're guaranteed your money back return wise, it's over 100 percent. So maybe like 150, 150 over like x over a time period. Does that uh, does that sound like? Does so, that sound? Uh, so it's kind of like I guess it's kind of like a hard money loan in a way for you to get started on the arbitrage. Is that what? It is? And then you pay me out, and then I'm gone. Is that is that kind of kind of what what it is? Kinda, kinda, but it's not like necessarily like okay, we pay you back and you're gone. It's literally like you have like. I guess the closest thing I could like this compare it to is like equity. Like, oh, cool. like you, you have 30% of like you initially have 80% of the project because like we have to pay you back. But once we pay you back, we're switching to you have 30%. We have 70% because now like, okay, you're paid back. Here are your dividends, you know, because we want to make sure they at least get their money back. Right. Yeah, that's awesome. And you're talking about uh, an investor buying like buying a whole house or buying a whole condo or or just buying like, the startup. Uh, buying buying an arbitrage, buying buying an arbitrage. Oh, buying a okay. When you say buying, so we, so, so we have identified an arbitrage, and the landlord says yes. Would would they finance this arbitrage for us, and we operate it? Oh, I see. So they go buy all the furniture and all that stuff and set it up. Is we, that what you're so, so they, yeah, they give us the money. We'll do all the setting up. Oh, okay. Now I get it. Now I get it. That's pretty yeah. Cool. So they don't. Ideally, they don't have to lift a finger. They're just signing the contract. We'll get our CPA involved because we need to. Um, obviously, like you know, there are tax implications with that. Like you know, the interest and stuff is deductible from your uh, income. So like we get our we, we get our CPA involved and make sure like we're right from a tax standpoint. But that that's 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 the first part. The second part is the discussion with a CPA. So so have, do you have any of those yet? Yeah, we have a C, we have a CPA. I mean, um, the, also, do you have any of the investor arbitrage things yet? Yeah, yeah, because of, because of social media, we have like several people that we're like like that we're in discussions with, and we're actually right now we're ironing out things with our CPA from a tax standpoint to make sure that we're doing everything we're compliant with the IRS when we're doing this stuff because I don't want to get smacked in the face with like <laughs> a violation or something like that. Dude, if you want to start like a little investment group, let me know. I want to be a part of it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like that's like and 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 once we become more mature, like that's one of the things that we were thinking about. And like so, social media too. Like that's something that that's been really really helpful with um, 
just like all all of this like social media has helped so much oh yeah big time micah you there micah i see his picture but i don't see micah anyways uh, he might, he might, <laughs> either might be muted or he might he might have dropped off i'm not sure yeah well we'll keep going we'll keep going so um so what do you see what else do you see branching out to in the future you got the you got the crypto you got the arbitrage, the Airbnb arbitrages. What other stuff interests you, man? I mean, you seem like you can you want to, you can do anything if you put your mind to it. <laughs> thanks, thanks, man. <laughs> I mean, like, what in what interests me is just um, like you know, crypto interests me. I'm really interested into like you know how the finance, the economics, like the future and stuff behind that. Like real estate really interests me. Like in, investing in general, just like. It, it's it's just like a really interesting thing to me so i could see myself like diversifying i guess i guess my investments into other asset classes kind of kind of just doing a whole full-time investment thing but i'm also very interested in like you know that whole idea of like financial freedom like like you know like i'm sure you watch like bigger pockets and stuff like you hear all these people talk about financial freedom oh like you know because i got i got this many properties you know i'm i'm going to like like mauritius or something like that you know stuff like stuff like that so like I'm really interested in traveling, the whole financial freedom. I definitely want to explore that for a bit, but I don't think I could ever just stop working just because, like, I've become such a workaholic. Like, I could never see myself just not working. But, like, another thing I want to get into is just, like, mentoring, too, because, like, part of of my goals, too, is to kind of just, like, wake up as many of my close friends, family as I can to just, like, the endless possibilities. Like I said, with crypto, crypto's kind of just, like, opened my eyes to the flaws in our current financial system. And just like the flaws to like to like to, to like life in general in terms of like finance. So like I've just been I've kind of changed my, my life goal from like monetary goals to kind of just like accomplishment goals, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. Hey, can we bring it back? Because earlier in the show, you had mentioned um, something about Austrian economics. Yeah. And, and that automatically makes me think of my man, Ron Paul. Do you know, you know, Ron Paul? Yeah, a lot, a lot of Austrians, a lot of Austrians, like they're 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 really like big Ron Paul supporters. You know, a lot of Austrians are like libertarians by nature. Like they really like they 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 tend to like like those guys. So so you get in um so so you studied it some Austrian economics. Uh, could you explain real quick uh, what what that is exactly or how? And so I mean, it's essentially sorry about that. You said what it is and what else? Uh, yeah, and how it's implemented or whatever. So, I mean, they're like in economics, like I, I'm not an expert, like, but like, I just, I just really like the idea, but essentially like economics, there are like two schools of thought. There is, um, like the Keynesian school of thought, which is basically what's practiced today in modern economics is taught in mo- modern universities. It's taught to you in high school. Um, and like, there's the Austrian economic school of thought, which is like essentially different. And like they're they're basically different on different principles. Like Austrians are in love with like, like with like concepts of like, concepts like money having like a fixed supply. Um, uh, you know, Keynesians believe in things such as like you know we need inflation. Inflation is a good thing. Um, like you know ideas such as like you know the federal having a federal reserve. Um, like we need we need we need government in terms of like. We need the government or the Federal Reserve to like control the money supply and um, th- things like that. So essentially, it just boils down to a school of thought. But like if I, if I could really just like for like the average person, like I guess I could use crypto as a perfect example. Keynesians think that like, you know, Bitcoin is bad because it has a fixed supply. Austrians think it's good because it has a fixed supply. And it's just basically like their approach to economics in general. Hey, y'all um, hear me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I can hear you. Can All right. Sorry you. about that. Hey, my mic went out. Oh. But, um, hey, what I was going to say, because I was trying to chime in when you were talking about the investors, um, the model you were explaining, uh, that's really a good model for, like, people just wanting to get into the arbitrage business. Mm-hmm. If you can set up a deal with an investor where he gets 70% of the profit until he gets his money back, and then it flips to where you get 70% and he right. gets 30 Right. That's yeah. That's the perfect arbitrage that you want right, right there. And then, and then also like, like that's not just limited to like, okay, we're taking money. Like the eighth stream of income, which I forgot to mention before, is actually that. So now we're 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 networked with other Airbnbs potentially in the future, or people who just want to get started through like mentoring. And now like you know we can charge you for mentoring, 
and like, okay, we'll give you a loan as well, and here's the contract for the loan. Yeah. Am I echoing? A little um, bit. You're good, man. Okay. Yeah, a little bad. bit. You sound like yeah. you sound like the voice of God. <laughs> good, good. <laughs> <laughs> good. Yeah. But but yeah, that's what I wanted to touch on because yeah, that, that that's a if if you're an arbitrager and you just need capital, that's the perfect arbitrage to get into. Right. Arbitrage the arbitrager, right? Yeah. Well, right. We're getting into some libertarian libertarianism talk, Micah. Yeah. Oh yeah, I, I was listening. <laughs> yeah but like like i was saying with that though like i'm i'm not an expert by many by by many means but it's just essentially like two different schools of thought they fundamentally approach like the theory of economics completely different it basically boils down to like should should we have a fixed monetary supply or should like we constantly have like inflation um and then also it gets deeper like austrians believe like like um for example like inflation and manipulation of the money supply leads to things such as like malinvestment which can cause things like the 2008 financial crisis yeah causing bubbles left and right yeah, essentially like they they basically believe like you know con- like centralized I, I believe i think they believe that centralized control of the monetary supply is basically what caused like the boom bust cycle that we that we basically see and they kind of and keynesians kind of teach that like oh it's a natural part of economics kind of thing and Austrians like the idea of sound money. Like Austrians love gold. Like they love like, you know, the economics behind gold because gold was very hard to like, it, it's very hard to like duplicate gold. Gold is very hard to mine. So gold was like virtually the closest thing to like a fixed supply that they had. Like a lot of Austrians will basically always reference the bell. It's, I think it's called La Belle Epoque. And that's ba- basically like a time in Europe when there was basically barely any war um, everybody was under the gold standard and like things were just so much better from a European standpoint. Everything was basically being invented. Austrians will often cite like that the best inventions happened during like the period of the gold standard, such as like mod- like electricity. Um, well, not necessarily electricity being invented, but like the wiring of like, you know, electricity, like the light bulb and all that stuff. Like some of the most important inventions in human history happened during the gold standard. And like, you know, that's why they're in love with like um, things such as like a gold standard. Hmm. It's interesting, hmm. man. I don't, I don't know exactly if I follow one or the other more, you know? Um, well, most people, most pe- people are Keynesians by nature. And like, also like another thing that like a lot of people don't understand is like the concept of like time preference, high time preference versus low time preference. So essentially like Aust- Austrians will argue that like Ke- this, the Keynesian school of thought has basically encouraged people to have a high time preference and essentially a high time preference is a, in a nutshell is kind of like like how do you allocate your time like are you future oriented are you oriented like in the now like for example like can you like in people who invest are typically typically have a low time preference because they're concerned with the future right we're investing because we're trying to get that future value but people with a high time preference all they care about is just buying useless trinkets and stuff like that huh so so they believe that like high time prefer- I mean high time preference is bad because like it because it encourages people to just like invest poorly but Keynesians believe that no high time preference is good because we need to constantly circulate money. So a school of, a school of thought, different school of thought. And what and I, I got into a little um I guess Facebook disagreement, you know. What I wasn't trying to troll, but you know I accidentally stepped in a whole pile of troll and um I was going back and forth with these people with these people facebook friends i I commented on a friend's thing he was kind of complaining about how he um how rent's going up again you know 50 bucks and he has to fact you know do this and that and and inflation yeah and uh, inflation and i told him you know that's i kind of try to explain to he's asking like ways you know you know this isn't fair blah blah blah. and going off on a little tangent i said well you know one way here's one solution i'm not saying you have to do it just um think about buying a house real estate i mean it kind of it locks in that um you know it locks right. in that payment i know right. taxes go up this and that but so, you get to write off so, taxes you get to write off right. things blah 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 and right, uh, i right. was just trying to explain it and oh man i got piled on oh not everybody can buy houses like you and you're so, part of the problem because you own more than one house and <laughs> right right and then and then like you you could also argue that like that like 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 we like i said before like the, the Keynesian school of thought, like, you know, modern day economics, that, that basically encourages that kind of thinking that you see from, like, your friends or your peers. 
like essentially like they complain about the fact that we have inflation and that everything goes up every single year but they don't understand that the way to offset inflation is by investing in something that gives you a greater return than the actual inflation so that you're always ahead of the game exactly they that rely they rely on their wages increasing when like your wages aren't guaranteed to increase because you don't control that but if you're investing you control there are more things you control than like if you were working at a corporation and that's why like investing is so important Those like you have Dave to invest Ramsey in, people. Right. you have to invest <laughs> if you're you, you need some type of investment if you're in like like and in like this kind of society like with this inflation where you know the money supply increases by 6% a year 2 to 3% inflation like you like you need to invest and you need to earn higher than inflation or like virtually every dollar you're saving is going to be worthless in like 30 years or something like that. And that, and that was my point. I mean, like I said, I'm not sure if I'm one way or the other Keynesian or Austrian whatever leaning, but the this the way the game is set up, like you said, is Keynesian. So you got to play the game by the game's rules, right? So yeah. yeah, that's what I was saying. I was suggesting real estate, you know, maybe get a one or two rentals and it, you know, right. you pile up you some, you know, pile up some uh, what's it called, equity. And right. um, and stave off inflation and man they went at me like I'm part of the problem you know I'm just right. trying to play okay. the game trying you're, to keep my you're money. You're not part of you're not part of the problem. You're just being smart. That's that's what I was trying to explain. But they uh, they, <laughs> they they piled problem on me pretty good. Problem is you gave them a solution. I gave them a solution. People don't, people people don't, don't want like solutions. solutions. Yeah, they just they want to bitch and complain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nobody somebody a solution. That's the right. first way to start a fight. Right. Right. <laughs> Bro, Steve. Steve. Stephen. Most of these like trivial arguments. Like the people, the person who's complaining, normally like their solution is in what they're complaining about. Yeah. Oh, prices, prices are going up. Price, every, the prices are going up. Rents okay. going up. Like, well, don't what, be a what renter are you going to do about it? <laughs> don't be a renter then. Yeah. Don't, I'm renting and my rent's going up every year. Don't rent. <laughs> Own. <laughs> don't, don't rent. How about, don't rent? Own and rent. <laughs> yeah, that's that's easy for you to say because you got enough money to buy a house. Nah, no, well, man. all you need is three point five percent. That's what I... <laughs> if you're a first time homeowner of like whatever you're getting, and if you live in the Midwest or if you live in the South, compared to the Northeast, compared to San Francisco, that's nothing. And this year, Dave, oh, Re- Dave I, Ramsey. I don't, I don't know how. I don't know how. <laughs> we have there's something called Google. <laughs> it, What's it, next? You're... I don't have internet. We have books. <laughs> Like I said, I don't know how to read. You have friends. Exactly, exactly. So, yeah, yeah. So I mean, there's people like to complain. They like, like you said, people that usually go out there on Facebook and complain, they just want to be, oh, I'm, yeah, I feel bad for you. Yeah, the system sucks. Blah. blah. They want to hear that. They don't want to hear a way out. Yeah, I, I like Norman's personality, man. He's a fireball. Man, I, I love reading his his <laughs> posts. Man, he's going at it. Yeah, but um, that's great, man. Those I, arguments too. Huh? The, the, the the thing with I'll get into those arguments too, and like the troll the troll in me is like I'll start the argument, I'll get them riled up, and I just won't respond after that. So like they'll either like call me on Facebook or like you know they'll call me on my cell phone, and like it, it it's just it's just like it's just funny, man. It's just funny. <laughs> they call you on your phone, like and some of sometimes it's my friends because they're like some of my friends are like. They they think the opposite of me, and so like they'll try to convince me so hard to think their to think their way, and it's like I used to think their way, and obviously I changed the way I think for a reason. So like I'm not gonna go back to that if after I changed the whole thought process of just life in general, I've been so much better off. Right, right, that makes okay. sense. So you plan on being a digital nomad one day? Um, I'll I'll, I'll do it. Like I'm I'm not gonna lie, like. The whole the whole me going to Dallas thing part of that was I wanted to like experiment with like the whole digital nomad like you know thing just being able to go anywhere like I'm going to San Francisco in a couple weeks like even though technically I still work at a nine to five because you know I'm basically a hundred percent remote like I, I can I have the perks of like doing the whole digital nomad thing like I'm, I'm maybe going to like North Carolina as well too but um like I I do plan on being a digital nomad but not in a sense of like I'm just earning passive income while I'm traveling the world. Nah, like, um, I used to be one of those, like, passive income, like, you know, like, I'm not going to say passive income freaks, but, like, I was in love with the idea. But then, like, I just, I, I kind of just changed. I don't know if it was the work or if it was just, like, I just, I, I guess I sat on my ass for a day and I was like, man, this is boring. 
So that, Man, I've hit that spot. I know <laughs> yeah. what you mean. Like, no, I'm serious. It, it comes a spot where, okay, the money's just going to come, right? So you're right. trying to find something else. Me and Mahogany were just talking about that, me and my wife. I was yeah. like, man, I'm, I'm trying to figure out what's next right now. Like, yeah. you know, a little bit of excitement came yesterday when I heard the little news about the timeshares, but I fixed <laughs> it. So it was just like, well, dang, I need yeah. I need another challenge. That's really right. what it is. I definitely like. I definitely want to see the data on that because, like, that's that's going to be interesting for like it, when we decide to do that as well. Like, I I would love to see like the data on like, well, not you don't have to show me, but like just a general idea of like, okay, before like they did the whole ninety nine guest pass thing, and then after, I, I would love to see that. Oh yeah, I'll definitely post it. And y'all are talking about written out your timeshares, right? And now Wyndham has decided to charge, if you give the timeshare to someone else, right. a $99 fee, which that cuts into the right. profits a little. Yeah, right. yeah. I mean, you just throw a $100 cleaning fee on there and then yeah. probably bump it up to like 130 you know? Right. <laughs> See, you always find a solution out of every problem, right. Micah. That's... Pricing, pricing strategy. Yeah, it's just strategy. And go and going back to the Houston thing again, real quick. That see that changed that changed it for me because I, I just said okay, you went out there to help out a buddy clean, but in the back of your mind, you're like, let's experiment with this digital nomad thing too while I'm at it. Yeah, that's that's pretty neat. There's always yeah, there's always a there's always a what's it called a byproduct, a good byproduct from every problem. Yeah, right? there there there's there is a good byproduct. But the thing with me though is like I'm so like. And I, I, and I think it's because of, like, you know, what I'm trying to get accomplished. Like, I'm doing something at a very young age. And, like, the return, the upside on it in the future is going to be so high that I think that, like, I, I've mentally convinced myself that I just need to, like, sit down and just, like, just work, work. Like, just literally work, 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 work. No, like, no Rihanna pun intended, but, like, just work. <laughs> um, and so, like, just, like, even, like, the idea of just, like, going out with my friends, like, I'll be in a club and I'll just be like, bro, why am I here? I could be like making money. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> or like, or like, we'll just be like hanging out. And I'm just like, yeah, why am I here? Like I've completely like buried myself in the hustle. Like those things just like completely like, you know, turn me off. But like, I need to, like, I know like once I get things established, like I'm going to yearn for that stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like I can do this cause I'm a single guy, but like if I had a wife, like my wife would probably smack me in my face. <laughs> Dang man. <laughs> Gotta have a wife that's on board with you. Yeah, but man, you guys have really inspired me. I'm probably gonna go get another arbitrage tomorrow. <laughs> let's start. Let's start that fund, man. Um, real quick, I mean, you know a lot about you know the financial world. Oh, just you know, financial world, Bitcoin, all that stuff, crypto. I, I, don't, I don't know a lot. I don't know a lot, well, bro. You know more than us. Yeah. And investing. So, do you think a crash is coming anytime soon? For what Bitcoin or just well, like in general? Uh, the stock market crash, everything crash, housing, boom. We're, yeah, we're we're always gonna have like boom bust cycle. We're always gonna have crashes. Do I think one is coming soon? I think so. I don't like, know. I don't know when. I don't know when it's coming, but I we're overdue for one. And every day, every day that we don't have one, the likelihood increases. <laughs> well, our next one that I predict that's gonna be hold on. Plus eighteen, uh, after twenty twenty six, eight years. It's every eighteen years it crashes. Right. So, like I said, if it's if it's twenty twenty six and we don't have one, I'll be scared. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, you really want what you're doing is good though. Arbitrage until the crash. Yeah. So when it crashes, you know, or just get a little piece of property just to have, you know. Just don't overpay. That's what right. I would suggest. People. I made a status about that as well. I was like, look, I can't wait until the next crash happens because the second the next crash happens, I'm buying all these properties for pennies on the dollar. Exactly. That's what you have to prepare for. I'm buying. So like, like, like even that go, even, even with what we're doing with Comfy, like me and Josh, like we got our savings account open so we could just capture all our profits. And so like, I need to talk to Josh because I think like, yo, like long term, like we should have like a set amount of money just like allocated like we just call it like crash money, like recession money. Pull that out. <laughs> it's like, all right, yo, it's yeah. time, time to drive for dollars, time to hit the streets. <laughs> for real, I like that. He said the yeah. crash money. <laughs> Man, it's been a great conversation. We've learned a lot, and um, I'm, I'm going to sit back and listen to this one a few times. Is there anything else you want to tell uh, our fans, our listeners out there? Like, like uh, social media, man. Like, social media 
as a marketing tool, it's just it's just highly underpriced. Like if you're if you're an arbitrager in any type of real estate and you're not on social media, like I, I don't care if you're like 90 years old because I know you guys like sending out your your you know your what is it the telegrams what is what is that like the direct mail like get on get on social media man like social media has helped us grow so quick as a business it's also helped us like tell our story as well because i think like cuz i think what we're trying what we're essentially constructing with comfy from a social media side or me personally with my own personal blog is that like like for the people who say oh like i don't know how to do it or like i don't know where to get started i'll tell them yo go to our blog Go to the first post where we literally, where I literally, I literally label it day one. See what I did every single day. Look at day 365. That's where I'm at. That's what's nice. up. Hey, tell them about your blog and where they can find you, man. So I got, I got, I got two blogs. I got like a personal blog that I basically call like today I learned where it's like the purpose of it is to like hold myself accountable for just like absorbing as much information as possible and just executing on this information that I have. That's on my Instagram. My Instagram is just at norm.hamilton, N-O-R-M, dot H-A-M-I-L-T-O-N. And then my second one is my YouTube channel. And that is just, um, that, that, one, that one is called Your Daily Hash. So literally just go on YouTube, type in Your Daily Hash, or you can just type in my name, norm, norm space B. And like, you'll see, you'll see me on YouTube. Um, my profile picture is like my actual picture. So um, you'll be able to see me. And then, like like I said, find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash comfy living for all, instagram.com slash comfy living for all, um, twitter.com slash uh, at stay with comfy. That um, title, Your Daily Hash, that um, that's a cool title. It, r- it reminds me of time I spent in Amsterdam. <laughs> hashing, every, <laughs> hashing every day. Rem- reminded me of the month I spent in Cali. That's why I don't go back. <laughs> that stuff's too strong um oh uh, yeah it's crazy out there well thanks norman thanks for hopping on you you're an awesome guest and um you just dropped the mic on everybody out there <laughs> i can't wait to see how much more trolling you got going on out there i like i like following oh, you on the on the social networks like, like takashi 69 of real estate <laughs> <laughs> wow well, cool, man. Well, you can hop on any time. It'd be cool to get you and Josh on the show one day. That'd be... Oh, we got that's going. That's going to be. That's going to be a, like we're going to sell out. <laughs> It'll be a two-hour, two-part episode. That, that's man. going. That's going to be special. That has to be pay-per-view. <laughs> yeah, I know. If if you're good at something, why why do it for free, right? All right. Well, all right, man. We appreciate it. Uh, you want to tell everybody where you can find us, Micah? Yeah, man. You can find us at LiveLetThrive.com. You can find us on Facebook at LiveLetThrive. Um, if you're signing up a new property, remember to go to our website and click one of the links and sign up yep. under us. We'll right. give you a free consultation. And if you're in the DFW area, we will personally come to your unit and consult you. Definitely do that, guys. Like These guys are fantastic. I'm happy to be here. I hope you guys like got some kind of value from uh this podcast but like like support these guys man please because they like just support them thanks norman that, that means a lot to us yeah man no problem well thank all you fans out there for this keep listening to live let thrive and keep spreading the word and uh what's up jerome all right y'all we'll see y'all next week all right peace later peace. thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of live let thrive Be sure to tune in next week for all the latest in the world of Airbnb and all that entails. Bye-bye.